What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown podcast edition. This is episode 83. This is the November 2022 edition, and we got the full team this morning. Good morning, everybody. Morning. 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 Full house. Full house. Yep. Full house. We got five of us. We got four behind the cameras. We got the, we got the room full here today. Sure do. Welcome home, Javi. Thank, thank you so much. Returning from uh, vacation, half and half, half and half. Rob, Rob had that one right on the tip of his tongue. He knew, <laughs> knew that was coming. Um, when did you go home last night? Sometime? Yeah, last night at seven. It was a couple of weird, quick flights. Yep. No, 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 no bad because when it's in Argentina, or Brazil, that's a long overnight flight. But Mexico's good, quick and easy. Yeah. Well, we'll so we'll get to we'll get to Javi in a minute. But how's everything going? It's yeah. going. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of excitement. A lot of excitement this morning. Um, Can't believe it's it's already mid-November. Mid-November. That's wild. Yeah. Crazy. Where where did the year go? You know, Thanksgiving's next week. Been a year. Been a year. It has. Kind of the, the tale of two halves of the year, it seems, too, as we're... Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to talking, put it, Ben, yeah. Talking to people this week. Yeah, I would say that's about accurate. It's, uh, you know, the first half of the year was still certainly uh robust and the second half has been a bust <laughs> <laughs> i like that, I like that. You, just, you just came up with that one right just now just off the top of my head i'm that good man so i think, no, a, I, think I smell a title for the podcast i think, I think, so. I think so that might be <laughs> robust the bust took all of 35 seconds um but yeah it's mid-november we've uh feel like we've had a lot of conversations and meetings and things like that this week and hearing a lot of the same from a lot of people you know the first half was busy and then stuff sort of seems like a Fell off a cliff. Uh, obviously, November and December usually are slower months, but seems like maybe that's started a bit earlier and, and going to be a, a quiet remainder of 2022, it seems, for the most part. Yeah, I'd say so. This this week, we you know, and last week, we, we've had some visitors, some domestic visitors, some Europeans. So there's, you know, the travels back and and uh, got great, um, you know, feedback about the NACD conference. I know you're going to talk to Ray later. Uh, about how active that was and uh, the Apollo, we're, we're going to hear from Javi. So, you know, uh, we're, we're coming out of an uh, uh, unbelievable couple of years in terms of uh, demand and filling that demand um, to to a point now where it's just really fallen off a cliff. And uh, so there's been a lot of shuffling, uh, juggling. And the good news is, on you know, from, from TCC perspective is that um, – We've seen a tremendous uptick in samples. Um, we're back to the lab, if you will. Uh, there's a lot of people looking at um, sustainable uh, products, um, fitting things in where they can. Um, there's a lot, lot of activity uh, on that level, which is interesting because you know it was more focused on getting stuff out the door, supply chain issues, and and that. So now people are able to get creative. So uh, that's been exciting to see the last several months, the amount of the uptick in demand for, um, you know, innovation. Yeah, it feels like it was quite slow for a long time. People just trying to get as many raw materials in the plant as they can. And then I guess over the last couple of months, I'm sure you've seen the uptick in samples keeping you busy and, and people looking to get stuff approved in the lab, whether it's new sources or new projects, or we've had I feel like a bunch of people looking to replace or, or use other products in combination with different things to to you know, develop new products and things like that, which has started a lot more the last couple of months. Yep, definitely. And we've seen, I mean, the past two months alone, we've probably had two to three times the amount of activity than we have historically, which is fantastic to see. You know, it's just means good things for business going forward. And, you know, like Rob said, people are getting innovative. They want to 
see what they can do to, you know, better their formulations and, you know, you know, instead of just getting product on the floor. So it's been fun. It's been fun. It's almost like the last two years has kind of been a stress test for a lot of companies and they <laughs> yeah. found out what was broken, whether it was be single sourced yeah. or, you know, so now they're getting some downtime to actually, you know, to fix those problems, it seems. Oh, well, and to your point, it's so funny, the amount of calls and inquiries we get now where people say, well, I have a, a, a sole source of supply, but I want a secondary source and they want to get that approval of a second source before, you know, it just shows how people are thinking down the line, how their supply chains could be affected and not just panicking if that does happen. They're, they're saying, let's line it up and, you know, let's protect ourselves. Yeah, people realize that they can't, whether it's a geography they're sourced from or even one supplier in a geography, you got to have a couple of these backup options, have different things approved. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the price, right? Regardless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit more emphasis on price these days versus peak COVID when it was really just buy whatever you can get your hands on, mm -hmm. it seems, so. Yeah, but there has been like a reshuffling on the geography as well. You know, there has to be, it has, it has come, uh, you know, now people are looking at other places in the world, not only regional, they have opened up their, their channels, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I feel like times like this and stuff gets really difficult. Places like Latin America almost do a little bit better because they're used to having to buy yeah. imports and, you know, bringing product in, looking at lead times. Yeah. If companies in the U.S. have only bought from U.S. sources, they don't, you know, they don't have the capabilities to be able to plan versus a lot of American companies have that capability, it seems. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're in a new cycle and the cycles change more often now. I think that's what people have to, you know, really understand is that they're shorter cycles. And, you know, maybe it's the selling cycle and the buying cycle and those are tightening and becoming more often and be becoming more extreme. So uh, right now we're in the... The, the buying cycle, if you will, where the the favor is on is is with them, with a um, you know Europe economy really in the pits, and a China even worse. So uh, those cycles are are tighter and and far more extreme. Yeah, it's been interesting talking to different people in different segments too. You know, you see automotive and construction still a bit slower. Some other industries doing a little bit better. Um, I think there's a, a big delta in different geographies too. It seems like the U.S. is obviously doing a bit better than. Europe and Asia with demand and everyone's, you know, with the U.S. doing relatively better than others. People are looking to move product here, put raw materials here. It's increased the competition here and seems like it will come in next year. So it's interesting times. Yeah, luckily we've got the tariffs as some protection from Asian imports right now. Europe is suffering from a, a massive amount. I mean, we, we've, we've mentioned it in prior podcasts, but it's really becoming evident now. There's just a glut of Asian product now available in Europe and it's really like making the domestic players uh, suffer tremendously. But you never thought you'd say that luckily we have the tariffs. But you never, but you never <laughs> no, thought that sentence would, well, <laughs> would come out. I think it's been an important thing and I think there's consideration in Europe of doing something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Would make sense. Yeah. If they can get through their bureaucracy of, of to make that decision and get everybody on board, I think that it would be a prudent thing to do. Yeah. yeah. That's a difficult part to get so many players on board, you know, get, right. the, get the majority, you know, so many, so many countries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's a it's a good idea, but you have to get right. everybody to agree on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it didn't go over all that well when it went into effect here. But obviously, however long it's been, two years, I guess now it seems like it's shaking. Two out administrations out now have kept it in place, and and it, there doesn't. I mean, there's some exceptions that we're going to see in the new year, but uh, for things that aren't manufactured here domestically, but it's going to remain in place. Yeah. So obviously, we we talked a lot about. Europe and Asia this week. Um, Javi is just returning from the the Apollo. Yes. Flash vacation. 
Last vacation, yeah. <laughs> um, talk to us about talk to us about Apple. How are your yeah. meetings down there? What's the general sentiment? How weather? Yeah. How, how warm is the ocean? <laughs> you know, all, all, all the pressing things we need to we need to know. Yeah, the ocean was warm. Okay, the, the pool was good. Uh, the, the the drinks were were okay, and uh, but we had a full schedule. Uh, it was me and Steve Friedwell uh, uh, from from TCC. Steve's still there. Uh, he's got some 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 more meetings. But I'm back, and uh, it was good. I mean, same a lot of the same concerns we're we're, we're seeing in the U.S. Um, but in the same time, we 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 see things with a lot of optimism. We see a lot of opportunity. You know, there's this this is a time to strike. You know, uh, you know. So we see people are happy to be there because they were they were there was some meetings for a couple of years, so the attendance was was good, and everyone was just meeting everybody and. The hotel was horrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the 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 layout, the the way they organized it was horrible. I have to say it. And they didn't allow meetings. They they put they put like little paper things or reserved for guests only, so you didn't have anywhere to meet. You know, you have to walk around, and it was it was horrible. You had to go to the pool. I mean, see on the place was open or the bar <laughs> or the bar. So yeah, yeah. The the organization was bad. I have to say it, and everyone was complaining about it. I'm not the only one, but. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, and we don't go to any of the we we register, but we don't go to any of the of the of the events. We just go to meet people and yep. meet our customers, meet our suppliers, and meet meet our hopefully our future customers and suppliers as well. So yep. yeah, but like yeah, I mean, people are worried, but but they see a lot of opportunity, you know, and they see a lot of optimism for twenty twenty one. I think that's. 23. 20, yeah. oh, 2021. <laughs> what, what was that? You're, you're going back in time right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. 24, 2023. And yeah, people are happy. People are happy and, and looking forward to, to the next year. And it was well attended. There weren't concerns about either COVID or people not spending money to travel with no, stuff being slow. No, 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 no. People are worrying about their inventories. You know, people uh, see Asia with a problem with all the prices coming down. But everything, I think, Asia just hit rock bottom on prices. I think they're gonna rebound because all the inventories are have, have, have already gone. You know? Yeah, and I feel like you live life eight weeks ahead of time because you're always looking at imports and planning yeah, future yeah, imports. Yeah. So how, how stuff? Do you have an idea of how it's, things it's are moving for January? It's, things are moving already. We have already orders in place for January. We're talking about February already. Yeah. So yeah, things are moving along. You know, they're they're. I'm, I'm I'm content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that sort of mirrors what we've been talking about. It seems like some of our customers and suppliers haven't necessarily agreed, but we've had a lot of optimism about January and Q1 for the last couple of weeks and months, just thinking things will pick back up after the new year. So that that seems to mirror kind of what we've talked about versus what we're seeing from some of our U.S. customers. It seems like some good signs, you know, to see Biden and G uh, as much as you know we know we're not going to be the best of friends going into the future. To see them shaking hands and and uh, and and saying we want to work together despite our differences is optimistic. Uh, I'm a little pessimistic about Europe, um, just because they follow us in terms of rate hikes, and we've heard just this week that they're talking about a December and a February massive increase in rates. So they're really behind us on that. We saw what how detrimental that was to the stock market, to the demand cycle, to everything when uh, when when they when there was a really large concern of high 
interest rate hikes. So yep. now they're following us. They're, you know, we also heard that the um, inflation levels at 11, 10, 11 percent, not just in Britain, but, you know, throughout the, the whole of Europe. And yep. that's higher than we are. And we're now peaking and going back down. And, hope, and obviously we're seeing it. That's going to continue, uh, at least on petrochemical products and things like that. So a little concerned about that, but I really think that we're at such a low Right now in, in China, uh, rest of Asia is doing okay, but really uh, Europe and China are just at such lows. Really, it's, it's, it's only up from here. And if the demand increases, I don't know, we're not, we haven't gotten to oil yet, but you know, there's cuts and OPEC's got cuts and the amount of oil is not available and our inventories are low. And you, know, you could really see some, you know, also all the derivatives are at very low, so... But anyway, back to the original point, like, you know, we're optimistic. We're yeah. optimistic for next year because, frankly, the fourth quarter is a dog. Yeah. Yeah, one other good event that we go to on a regular basis are certainly the NACD events, so the National Association of Chemical Distributors. So our own Ray Altenberger was out at the uh, national national meeting? Annual Annual. Meeting? Annual, meeting. Annual yep. meeting in San Diego. Yep. So he was there last week. Luckily, we have him uh, at the offices here today. So we'll, uh, we'll give it over to Ray and hear how the NACD was. Morning, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing, Ben? Doing very well. Welcome to the welcome to the podcast. It's my first. Can't believe it's taking 83, 83 episodes to get you on here. <laughs> exactly. Well, you've tried, but uh, I've ev evaded things for quite a while. We finally we finally <laughs> nailed you down. Yeah. We roped you in. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, why don't we start things off? You want to give a little introduction on on yourself, your background, um, and then how you you know how you came to find TCC and and what you do day to day here now. Oh, how did I come to find TCC? That's, keep in mind, that's, keep in mind, we got you know we have places to be. It's almost lunchtime. So okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just. I give you the short story. <laughs> uh, actually, I got a phone call uh, from Nick Roach uh, a number of years ago, when I had just moved into the sales management role at Monsanto for the uh, nylon intermediates business, and uh, Nick, my predecessor, had decided to cut. TCC out as a distributor, and Nick called me up and was upset about it. And uh, so anyway, we we talked and came up to visit him, and then reinstated him, and and uh, that started the relationship a number of years ago. But you know, real quickly, uh, I spent most of my career, thirty plus years, at Monsanto and Solutia. The first half was in plastics, and the second half of the uh, career was in the uh, Nylon and immediates, which was primarily adipic acid and hexamethylene diamine and other co-products. Uh, left them, did a couple other things, and then I got reconnected with the chemical company. Nick said, why don't you come work for us? And that was about 11 years ago, so I've been here since then. And uh, at TCC, uh, we all wear a lot of hats, and we do a lot of different things. And... Uh, a lot of my time is spent on Adipic. I can't get away from Adipic. <laughs> uh, I serve as the sales slash product manager for Adipic Acid. I also do Sicinic Acid, and I do some other other products that I handle. And then uh, I do um, a fair amount of work trying to develop new relationships with new suppliers. And I, I've been serving as uh, TCC's representative to the National Association of Chemical Distributors since we signed up as a, as a responsible uh, care partner, distribution partner, I should say, about nine years ago. So that's a little bit about myself. And uh, moved up to Vermont 
two years ago. Saw him in the Metropolitan Quichi, Vermont. You know, people usually get older and move south, not north. I was going to say, you kind of did the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, hey, my friends it. have pointed that out to me. <laughs> Is that why you travel so much to, yeah. to the warmer climates? Because it exactly. you know, allows you that exactly. <laughs> flexibility. <laughs> it was 19 degrees yesterday morning in, the, in Quichi. So. And anyway. I bet you'll go back to snow there today. It uh, could be, could be. We're not far away from Killington. So. <laughs> So we were just talking a bit about recent tra uh, travel and shows. I know the fall time is always busy for trade shows and events and things like that. And I know you've been at both uh, the EPCA and the right. NACD annual meeting. Um, right. So curious to pick your brain on kind of the general mood and sentiment, attendance at these shows. What you okay. know? What, how did some of those conversations go? What are people saying? And, and what was the general mood at these, some of these different uh, different events? Uh, well, let's start off with the EPCA. It was held this year in in Berlin. The they alternated between tough places like Berlin, Vienna, and Budapest. And uh, I like all three of them. So it was back in Berlin this year. Um, the mood in, in Europe, for obvious reasons, it was totally different than the NACD meeting here in the States. Um, there was a lot of concern among suppliers in terms of, you know, cost of raw materials and energy and how it's impacting their business. And uh, the EPCA was in early October, so, you know, the Ukraine war is still going on and was impacting their business. And natural gas, I guess, was the single biggest topic uh, in at the EPCA, the cost of natural gas and how it's impacted producers, particularly those that use natural gas as a, as a feedstock for ammonia and, and those type of things, formaldehyde. Um, so anyway, um, that seemed to be the overall concern. And uh, clearly, the, the economy was slowing down in Europe. Uh, they were ahead of us here in the States. Um, and then the, the attendance, uh, I don't know what the official attendance was for the EPCA, but um, a number of companies sent fewer people, was my view. Yep. So they're still kind of coming back you know, from uh, post-COVID. Uh, but it was good. Uh, there was a lot of good discussions. I think in general, people just wanted to reconnect with their suppliers and their customers. And uh, so there was a lot of energy there as well. So it was it was a very good, we had a lot of good meetings. We have a number of suppliers, European-based suppliers, and we had a lot of good meetings with them. And uh, so that, that was a little capsule on the EPCA, the NACD, the National Association of Chemical Distributors, uh, meeting this year was in uh, San Diego. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I was going to say, really? Here, right? <laughs> exactly. Hotel Del Coronado. The secret. I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I was told that the uh, attendance was the largest ever. Wow. Yeah, which was good. And the uh, same thing. There was a, a lot of energy there. There was a a lot of people that hadn't been because of COVID in several years. Now, I know it's the NACD annual meeting. Is it only distributors that go or are there producers that go as well to meet with people? It's a it's a collection of uh, three components. It's distributors, which is the largest component. And I don't know the count of how many distributors are NACD members now because it's it's a fluid situation and there's been a lot of you know, acquisitions over the years. But when I was on, I uh, serving on the NACD membership board, there was about 240 distributors. 
So not all of them attend, but a, a high percentage try to go at, to the annual meeting. Uh, so that's one group. Uh, producers, uh, a smaller group, but maybe there's 30 or 40 producers that are NACD members. It could be higher. I might not have my facts totally right. And then there's affiliate members, and these would be people that provide services to the chemical industry. These could be uh, 3PLs. They could be companies that have warehousing services. It could be people that have uh, IT services or software services or shout out to Datacore because they're, they're always very active there. And a shout out to ChemFormation. You're going to owe me, Joe. Um, <laughs> but they're always there and they provide informational services. And then seems to be more insurance guys there these days. Yep. And uh, so it's a collection of all those. And uh, and the, this year they, they, they asked the, the audience to stand up if they were first-time attendees. And uh, I don't know how many there were, but there were a significant number. So, really? Yeah, That's awesome. That was interesting. And I think companies are seeing more and more of the benefit of being an NACD member. Uh, they do a lot on behalf of the industry in terms of trying to uh, mod- modify or, mo- or regulate uh, a number of uh, governmental regulations. We seem to have more and more of these every year to deal with. Yep. They do a, a good amount of effort lobbying on the chemical industry's behalf in terms of rail issues and trucking issues, et cetera. Um, so that's, 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 uh, that's, so, so, so companies are taking advantage of the NECD and they have speakers and programs on these. So they're sending other people from their association. It's not just the owner going and his wife and, you know, there's other people that are benefiting and learning about the NECD and well, the programs they offer. Well, and just to say that, I think all of the meetings that you had, I mean, there wasn't necessarily one meeting where there was just one person from a company attending. You sometimes are meeting with three, four, five people. Exactly. So that's fantastic to see, you know, everyone investing in their, you know, everyone from their company that needs to be their goal. Because, I mean, I, I, did you even have any time to sleep? <laughs> with the with the he's with the way the meeting he's schedule busy, is packed, I mean, guy. no, there um, was. I, I have to say, it was back to back to back. And I can only thank you, Nicole, for <laughs> arranging all those meetings. That's <laughs> all I can say. Don't sound so excited about no, but I'm no, glad. I, I'd like to have the meetings, and and I went out as you know a day early so I could have the meetings. I I really like to participate in the conference because they get top notch speakers, and the keynote speaker was Mike Pompeo, the former head of the. Um, CIA and Secretary of State under Mr. Trump, uh, and he gave a great talk and insight on some of the global leaders that we're dealing with, with Putin and Xi, and uh, that was worth the price of a mission just in itself. So how was the, the EPCA versus NACD? You mentioned there was a little bit of different sentiments for, for each. How, how was the NACD here in the U.S. versus what you saw at EPCA? Uh, clearly... Uh, People are seeing the economy starting to soften up, and you heard a lot of words like uh, destocking and controlling year-end inventories. Uh, slowdown has clearly started, but not as severe as I think the settlement in Europe. Um, still, a lot of optimism uh, amongst both producers and distributors. Um, keep in mind, the first half of this this year was pretty good. Yep, you know. So it's we're in that transition stage, and um, 
I don't think there was a doom and gloom about next year, but a realization it will not be as strong as uh, 2022. So, Which coming off of 2021, 2022, that's right. exceptionally strong, high prices. Right. You know, we're getting back to a normal, which right. is still pretty dang good, I would I right. like to assume. Exactly. So I think in general, I, uh, I was encouraged by the uh, participation, the, the turnout, as well as the, the general mood. And... Uh, and uh, we look forward to a pretty good year next year. Not a great year, but a pretty good year. Well, the, the fact that there is optimism surrounding that is is refreshing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, like you said, all doom and gloom. So I think that that is something to to highlight, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we are still looking towards, you know, a, a good year ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And while I got you, one more thing I want to add. So you, you talked, obviously, about working with Monsanto for a long part of your career and then mm-hmm. coming over to TCC. Um, sounds like you've obviously enjoyed your time with TCC so far and curious to get your perspective on the, you know, the differences and maybe some of the benefits working with TCC versus some of the, some of the more corporate sort of uh, companies out there. Well, that's a, that's kind of a full question. Um, clearly working for, well, back in the day when I worked for Monsanto, it was a well-run company and sure. it, it was very strong on processes and procedures and that type of thing. So, uh, a lot more structured and regimented. Um, but even at TCC, I've seen uh, a lot more structured than, you know, in the last five years than maybe what what was here 20 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one good example of that is uh, the NACD. I mean, to be a member, you have to comply with their responsible distribution guidelines, and it's a pretty comprehensive program, and you have to have all your SOPs in place and practices and procedures sure. nailed down and TCC has done that and, and it's made them a stronger, better company. So, you know, it's, it's not one or the other, uh, the smaller companies are more evolving, getting more sophisticated. And the, on the other side, the bigger companies, uh, they, there's a lot less people there. You know, when I was at one point, I was a district sales manager in the plastics division and I had seven or eight sales professionals work for me in, in the Northeast, and then there were seven other districts. Today, there's probably one national sales manager and maybe two salespeople. Yeah. So, so distribution is playing a much bigger role uh, in, in servicing the marketplace than it did back in those days. So sure. that, that's one change. Uh, the obvious thing is, uh, you know, every distributor has its, its uh, style in the I kind of like the TCC style, uh, um, pretty down to earth, direct, um, kind of keep it simple and, uh, it's made us successful. So, um, I don't know, uh, nothing's stagnant anymore. You yeah. know, you, you gotta evolve and, yep. and you gotta keep changing and, and TCC's done a real good job at that. Well, it was good talking to you, Red. Glad we finally had you on the episode. We'll, yeah. uh, be sure to have you on again soon since you're not all that far away. Um, and I'm sure that because this is further south that, you know, it's not exactly. super warm weather, exactly. but you know, balmy. you're, you're getting there. Yeah. Well, uh, Marco <laughs> Island would be a good place to do a, another podcast. <laughs> you, hey, never I'm available say, for never that say one. never. We, uh, we have the ability to transport. So you, you okay. propose, you propose that to Rob and I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, thank you. Ray. Good talking to you. We'll talk to you. Good soon. talking to you, Ben. Thanks, good Ray. talking, Nicole. Great. All right, moving on to uh, industry news, supplier news. A um, couple things going on. 
um, over the past, you know, one throughout 2022 and one we've heard, you know, been hearing about recently on the butanol side. Um, you know, it sounds like Sassol is still under their FM on butanol. Um, theoretically, I think we've heard that it'll, the plant will restart sometime later this month. So we're still keeping an eye on that. I don't know how much it's actually really impacted the market or our business. I know we may have seen a couple of new opportunities come up through it, but that sounds like it's not something that's going to be a, a long-term thing. Um, but any other big news that you guys are hearing that's impacting things? Well, the uh, Patronus acquisition of, of First Thorpe closed in October. Uh, so now that's uh, their one entity. Um, and then uh, we met, uh, you mentioned, AJ, there was a big... Uh, acquisition in the trucking industry as well. Hennef purchased uh, Coal City Cobb, which I think the logistics guys will speak to more and how that will affect things, but it seems like there's just a massive amount of consolidation on the on the freight side of things. So yeah. it's, uh, that know. continues, yeah. yeah. The rail the rail strike, you know, it's not happening yet, but still always sort of looming. Looming, yeah. uh, you know, and so we've we've definitely seen some updates from TLC on that recently of but I think you have to have like there's 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 different unions and they all have to be aligned in order to strike. So uh, hopefully we can uh, you know we could do the uh, avert that. You know, I'll say personally I've been driving traveling a lot lately and there's a lot of construction out there. Oh. So you know the the uh, the bill that was passed last year for infrastructure is certainly you know ha- happening. So that that's something that's positive to look forward to in 2023 and and something that should definitely have an impact, you know, so that was a, that was a, a lot of money going for uh, our infrastructure. So, um, but, you know, other than that, I, you know, I think that what we're talking about is general to the industry. I mean, you know, polymer demand is extremely soft, coating extremely soft. Uh, there is some, you know, some lubes and refrigerants and some things that are doing well because they simply couldn't get raw materials and need to build inventories but yep. really that's only been very minor highlights that we've heard out there of, of of things that are in high demand automotive is still very soft um so you know and then of course uh you know musk took over twitter so that's you know <laughs> that's been, been, a been fun to watch yeah <laughs> But I don't know. Are we? Are, is this the section where we talk about the election? Because I think that was kind of surprising. You yeah. Know? I mean, mm-hmm. the election was, you know, honestly shocking to me because, uh, it, you know, the economy is really in tough shape right now, and I figured that people would vote more based on that, but but they didn't. So we didn't see the predicted red wave, and right now we've got a split uh, house and Congress is is what it appears, and so. Um, you know, and I think that I think the voters starting to say that they want to see more of the government working together, and um, I think that's really the bottom line. Is kind of sick of the division, and divisiveness. Yeah, um, I think that was the real highlight, if you will. But that was a shock. the The election was a shock. Everybody's quiet because it's like, don't talk politics nowadays. <laughs> you know, nobody can talk about anything, but. You know, it's going to have an impact on us. There's not going to be a lot that's going to get done now um, on the on the liberal side, which is you know for business, it's it, that's a good thing. To, let's slow things down. Let's not you know throw too much uh, at business right now because they're struggling. Yeah, and there's a lot of fear about which way the elections would go and if they try to overturn some of the stuff that was passed. Like you talked about that infrastructure bill. Like there was concerns that could be overturned if the election went one way or another. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you throw too much power to one side or the other. That's why we need both to be strong, yeah. you know, and we need them to work together. Yep. 
And I think that was highlighted in, 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 in somewhat in this election. So at least the sentiment was highlighted in this election. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a, that, that'll certainly have an impact going forward. Yeah. Everything at all, it all trickles down to our business one way or another, whether it's talking about oil or policy or tariffs or it all, uh, all has an effect one way or another, whether it's immediate or, or felt down the road. Certainly does. Um, yeah, Lockhorn on the logistics side. Luckily, we have the TLC guys coming on um, to give an update both on those rail, rail labor union negotiations as well, as well as just freight and logistics in general. So we will give it over to the TLC guys for a logistics update. Morning, Joe. Morning, Jamie. How you guys doing? Hey, how you Morning. doing, man? Doing well, doing well. It's been, I guess, a couple couple episodes. We had you guys on a little bit. How's uh, how's things going for you guys? Good, good, absolutely. Speaking about you personally, not the bills, right? Oh, <laughs> right into it. Had to go to it. Right I had into to go it. To it. Right to. into it. I had to. It's okay. We're still above the pad, so it's true. It's true. The <laughs> AFC East freaking rankings. I think everyone has a winning record, right? It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the, all four teams currently in the playoffs. If they were to start tomorrow, so. even the freaking Dolphins. Yeah. That's you know whether we're usually one and two the Dolphins usually stay, so. <laughs> a lot uh, of football to play a lot of football to play. very much so very much so um, so yeah looking at logistics obviously coming at the end of the year people maybe having some time to uh, plan their supply chains and logistics for next year um, having a lot of conversations it seems over the last couple of weeks about supply and demand for next year especially around rail cars we've been closely following what's been happening with these union rail negotiations and the threats or maybe a lack there of threats of potential strikes going into effect. Um, I know we saw a deadline come and go, I guess a couple months ago now where the government got involved and essentially didn't allow the strikes to go into place and sort of put a bandaid on it and extended some of the deadlines. So what's the, what's the most recent updates with the union negotiations and how the rails been? Yeah. So, I mean, right now we're basically, you know, in a little cooling off period again um, until I think it's early December. And I mean, this is to the point of we've seen this come by before. I mean, it's something that, I mean, they've they've been negotiating this since 2020 as yeah. a whole. Yeah. So this is something that we've seen a few times and it's just, there's a lot of money, a lot of, you know, earnings, a lot of shipments, all kinds of things on the line for the workers, for the companies involved, the country as a whole, the world as a whole. So it's just something that... It's, you know, we've been in a lot of stalemates, but I don't really see anything going too far south in the foreseeable future just because, again, there's so much on the line for everyone. It's kind of a lose-lose if they do end up in a strike. Right, right. It seems that the government's kind of showed their hand that they're going to get involved and do what they need to do to avoid that and, and keep the rail lines moving. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they're right now the proposals on the table are, you know, record increases in wages, whether or not, you know, that is as high as some would like. Yeah. Or higher than others would like it. It is what's on the table. So, yeah. yeah. But can be argued that it's deserved. Yeah. 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 You know. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when the strike was impending. There's all these articles coming out about how important it is and how much freight moves through the rail and how many trucks you'd need to replace the rail. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Sort of it's unsung heroes. Yeah. It, it's kind of the heartbeat of the American economy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't just switch that valve over to right. Say all these trucks get on the road. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and thinking about next year, have you started seeing anything either on like the insurance side of things or just general rail, rail, uh, price increases, how, how, you know, line hauls have been on, on the rail, 
Um, things getting more expensive, staying relatively flat. Things definitely got more expensive earlier in the year, okay. but I think things have kind of leveled out yep. recently. Um, demand has stayed. Uh, cars honestly have been fairly tight um, for a little while now. I don't know that that's really falling off. I know we've looked at it from different perspectives, and I think a lot of folks see like Q1 picking back up, which when you look at rail cars and anything like that, rail cars, tank farms, anything like that, you're looking at the long-term picture. So they normally don't really soften up on the short term. Like, oh, it's dipped for a couple months. They look at it as, well, that lease really won't go into effect. If you lease now, it won't go into effect until Q1. Yeah. So they look at it, look at it from the Q1 perspective in just the next year, two, yeah. three, ten as a whole. Yeah, you probably see like trucking is a better short-term indicator on how busy stuff is. Rail sort of says it's more of a longer-term picture. Yeah, for sure. Especially from the leasing perspective. I yeah. mean, when you're looking at intermodal versus trucking, right now intermodal is highly competitive because the entire freight industry is cooling off right now and everybody's desperate to try and yeah. fill capacity. So Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations, it seems, this week, people talking about getting back to like what the actual demand is. Like when COVID started, trucking was difficult. Everyone all of a sudden starts evaluating rail and now maybe some of that's coming off. Like what is the... Who are the actual people that are going to want to be using rail as a logistics mode regularly versus who just opportunistically tried to jump into it and, yeah. and, and use it more? Yeah, I I think right now what you're seeing is like the cooling off between like, as Joe mentioned, like the intermodal and the transload type opportunities. I mean, if you're looking at more of like a terminal operation, that's still something that's going to work for you. Yep. But in terms of, you know, just being more, more cost effective on, you know, truck versus trucking and transload it's you're in that period where you really want to be going direct rail shipments yeah if you can um how about you joe on the sales side of things how have you know how's stuff been the last couple i guess weeks or months with customers what's the general mood is stuff been busier less busy people starting to plan for next year or how's how's things been on the on the sales side and the demand side of things well i mean as a salesman you got to stay optimistic of course um and dealing with other salespeople that is the correct answer yep (laughs) they uh they are all very optimistic about 2023 yeah um i think past couple months everyone's kind of holding their breath hoping things kind of turn around a little bit but um i think from the freight perspective so much uh pent-up demand kind of fizzled out into uh end of q2 beginning of q3 that um now they're kind of just all looking towards q1 2023 um that being said we have had a ton of warehousing repackaging transloading opportunities come in as people start stocking up their inventory so um the tlc team does a wonderful job of having a diverse portfolio of of all those contacts so um yeah as those kind of have taken over, you know, the the longer liquid bulk opportunities. I think a lot of shippers are going directly to some of the carriers for that type of stuff and revisiting their contracted rates, whereas the spot market's starting to cool off in that regard. But yeah. um, looking towards 2023, I think everyone's really hopeful that that market's going to really start picking up again as uh, the shipments really start coming in. <clears throat> um, how about on the pricing side? Like, Jamie, on the operations side, have you seen line hauls and pricing coming up and joe have you seen like you've had to meet more competitive situations have you seen better rates out there that you know stuff's been a little bit tighter is it's still kind of yeah yeah everybody's bottom line is at top of mind right now as they end the end the year so um there's not as much um wiggle room as far as what line hauls because everyone's so price price conscious at this point yeah yeah i mean i would say that line hauls some things have been softening up a little bit on pricing because of that because of the downward pressure that Joe, you know, just mentioned. Yep. 
I mean, the difficulty with all of that has been like fuel staying high still. Yeah. So that's really a killer on it. Um, and that just, you know, is affecting all of us even in our daily lives, as we mentioned yeah. every time we've been on. But I mean, it's, you are seeing a lot of demand for things. I mean, we, you know, some of like the terminal projects and things, you look, you can't even like get availability from warehouses or tank terminals, anything like that in like the Gulf region, for instance, still. Yeah. yeah. It's still, you still have a lot of tightness out there on those type projects. The longer term stuff, yeah. yeah. And even from the line haul standpoint, the, the basement can go only, only go so low before a trucker just says, no, I'll, I'll, I'd rather just sit and wait for something else. So right. um, there is only a, a certain threshold we can we can hit before someone yeah. just says, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. So again, back more to regular pricing versus opportunistic. Hey, I'm going to charge kind of whatever I want because it's more about supply versus. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they're. they're it was whoever could move the truck and whatever the price was, the price was now yeah. it's all oh, I got four options who can, mm -hmm. you know, who can do the best. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, like I think too often when we look at like the spot market and things, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, the trucker can just take less. And I think, you know, to a degree that's true, especially when things get overinflated. But I mean, it in some ways you have to look at it similar to manufacturing or anything else where you do still have a finite cost there somewhere. Sure. And you still have to, you know, make money on that yep. and, you know, for them make their living. Um, and that's, you know, something where I think that's increased over time as with most things. And as we've gone through inflation and things in the past, you know, few months, years. Um, and that's, I don't think it's ever going to dip back down to where it was, you know, like during the pandemic, for instance, but it'll dip a little bit more. And it seems like the the driver pool hasn't been as big of a concern. Seems like people have been a little bit slow. Availability has been better. Obviously, I think from a macro standpoint, I'm sure there are still a large shortage of drivers, but it seems like availability has improved a bit. Yeah. So I would say availability has improved based off of just demand falling off here recently. Yeah. Um, in terms of the driver pool itself, I think that's still, as you mentioned with the macro level, I think that's still a huge issue sure. going forward. Yeah, especially um, when it comes to you know, the chemical distribution side of things, you know, there's only so many hazmat drivers, only so many um, certified drivers in that pool that's already dwindling. Right. So, right. yeah, that's still definitely a concern. But right now it's from a macro perspective, not a huge constraint yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, we well, appreciate the update. Good talking to you guys. We'll uh, we'll have you on the December episode to give you your grand predictions <laughs> for, for 2023, as we always do. Um, but good talking to you guys. Appreciate it. And Absolutely. See you guys soon. Go Bills. Having us on. All right, moving on. Price updates, uh, or not price updates, product updates. Um, thinking about some of our regular seasonal products, which are uh, some of AJ's specialties here coming into the cold weather months. Um, I know there's been a lot of, I, or, uh, I say a lot, maybe more than usual conversation and updates on urea supply. Um, so I know we've been following that closely with a couple of our big customers looking at that and having some meetings over the last couple of weeks. But how is the, uh, how is the urea picture looking these days? Uh, prilled urea is still pretty tight, especially in the Northeast U.S. Um, you know, the the fact that Russian material is largely not making its way here is is causing a big, uh, you know, big a big gap in the market. Um, and that was a big supply avenue pre pre war. Yeah, especially like to Eastern Canada, the the, the Russian supply made up like seventy percent of wow. of all the volume up there. So taking that capacity out was huge just for the whole you know dy dynamics of the Northeast. And then um, there was also some um, really low uh, levels on the Mississippi River causing tightness up into the Midwest. You know, the barges couldn't get get up uh, quite full. Um, 
Yeah, we talk about the Rhine River a lot in Europe, it seems. We haven't really talked about the U.S. rivers, but now it seems like the first time we're really talking about that. Yeah, yeah. First time I remember the Mississippi River being a problem as far as water levels go. But yeah, yeah that was, I think that that's pretty well cleared up now. But, um, you know, that was causing some tightness, um, you know. So urea is probably going to stay snug going into the first quarter next year, especially prilled urea. Granular seems to be okay. Um, but prilled urea, there's, you know, there's not as many producers of industrial grade prilled urea. So that's going to probably stay pretty snug going into Q1. Wasn't there something that they're they're opting to make the def grade instead of the prill just based on demand or not taking the extra step to, to make the prills? Yeah, in Europe specifically, um, due to the high natural gas costs and ammonia production being offline, the, the urea plants shifted only to def production because they, you know, have to keep that running basically and all the other, you know, the fertilizer and industrial uh Great applications kind of went by the wayside, yeah. and I, that's still the case now. Even though natural gas prices are starting to come down, they haven't, you know, restarted the, you know, urea prill plants um, on a on a wide scale basis anyway. Yep. Um, and one of the ones we're talking about a little bit before we started recording was dicey. Obviously, usually a, a uptick in demand for dicey. Have you seen that coming through, or been a little bit slower this this year so far? Um. We're we're seeing the the usual seasonal demand start to pick up. You yep. know, folks are placing have been placing orders for for their Q1, uh, you know, their Q1 requirements when they start blending for their spring planting season. Yep. Um, Dicey this year was uh, exempt from the tariff, and we haven't seen any conversation around that exemption being extended into next year. So we're expecting the 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 tariff to come back, the twenty five percent to come back for for January for all products that. You know, not just dicey. Obviously, it seems like all the exemptions will. Yep. Be oh wow. Discontinued. Yeah, or wow. lapse. I don't know if they. I don't think they're going to discontinue it, but they they just, just won't. Renew. You know, renew. renew. Which I think was the case this year. This they, year, yeah. They, 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 there was a time period where between they, you know, there was a gap when they renewed it. So I think that that's hopefully going to be the case next year. But yep. they, you know, there's no no talks around that to this point anyway. Yeah, and I'm sure that's been interesting talking to customers on. Do you stock up? Do you not stock up? Is it, you know, are you going to pay 25% more or not? It's a big, big question mark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we're just telling folks it's out of our hands. Like, you yeah. know, you, you need to keep producing the stuff. You have to keep ordering. But, yep. you know, whether it comes in with the 25% or not, you know, we're all in the same boat. You it know, their, their competitors are in the same boat, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, one of the other big products we oversee and, and, and sell, especially in the wintertime, is methanol. Obviously, Corey Mullins manages that for us. I don't know, have you seen any... Hints on how methanol is doing so far this year. Has it been a, definitely a been year? a good year for methanol and um, and and ramping up right now uh, with uh, we finally I, Nicole I put my heat on last night. I so. was just gonna I was gonna <laughs> ask you about that because yep. your AC I think you might be in the running for the longest standing person in the state I to have, have the their AC, AC running. I have the, and then last <laughs> night I put the heat on and I've set it to sixty six and I noticed this morning we were at sixty eight. So of course it got warm last night, you know, the the residual hit the rain and... <laughs> came in, the south wind came in and we got warm. So uh my house is uh impacted severely by uh up and down temperatures. But anyway, the point <laughs> is that the forecast now uh going into Thanksgiving and and beyond looks v- very cold, you know, actually. Yep. So typical to um the northeast um you know, uh, fall, winter, it's coming later and staying later. So, um, so yeah, methanol demand is picked up for things like windshield wash. I do know that, uh, next week it looks like the first, uh, potential for snow for, yep. for, for mixed precipitation. My parents, got, my parents got snow last night in mass. E- oh, up in Springfield. Nice little, nice little coating. So there you go. So that, that'll, that'll certainly <laughs> pick up, uh, you know, demand for, for things like, um, 
you know, for things like uh, the windshield wash, which uses methanol, but we're also getting through the season where everybody was using glycol uh, for antifreeze. So, you know, while winterizing your RVs, winterizing your boats, and that was a pretty tight market, uh, actually, for as it has been the last couple of years. So uh, yeah. a lot of tightness in glycols, despite, you know, new production coming up and things. So um, so both of those have, have had their, you know, uh, glycols are kind of getting to the end of the seasonality. You'll see some downhole demand as well uh, throughout the winter. But yeah, methanol doing pretty good. Javi, any uh, specific products or types of products more interesting <laughs> than others at the Apple? Do you have more questions or were any products that stood out that were a bigger point of contention or something people are looking to stock up on or having difficulty with? Everything is long. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, for, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, you can get anything everywhere from anything. Yeah. <laughs> anything <laughs> from everywhere. Anything from everywhere. That's a famous quote. Yeah, that's a famous quote. He was, he was there. He was <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. We can get you anything from everywhere. Okay. Yeah. What's at me? <laughs> anything from everywhere. What's at me? <laughs> Thank you for that insight, Avi. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Very profound. It's a, I will say, there's a lot of products available in North America, but we're not exporting as much. I mean, we, we were seeing very good demand from Latin America from here. Yes. At zero. So that'll show you that, you know, there we're, we're in this, right now we're in this conundrum where some producers feel like that the prices should stay where they have been historically yeah. and consumers are saying no. So there's definitely uh, some problems there when it comes to, uh, the producers here in North America. Yep. Thinking at a high level, so talking about things like oil, gas, we talked about a little bit, then um, obviously downstream a little bit, benzene and propylene. Uh, saw propylene come down pretty large, settling for November 1st. Um, benzene's been tracking back up. We've seen some interesting forecasts for um, what's to come for early to all of next year, um, as well as kind of revisiting what's happened throughout 2022. So um, seems like the general sentiment is that you know, energy prices will kind of level out where they are now. Obviously, propylene's come down pretty significantly. Oil's fluctuated between 85 and $100. Um, so we're starting to get some questions and talk about contracts and things like that for what's going to happen next year. Um, any uh, any bold predictions on energy prices coming in next year? You're looking at me. Everyone's pointing out. Yeah, my <laughs> predictions uh, remain that we're going to see uh, – oil prices increase uh coming into the end of the year um surprisingly uh there's a glut of gas in uh in terms of uh ships waiting outside of uh europe to deliver yep. but prices dropped and then rebounded very quickly um you know when it comes to uh derivatives of of, of oil and gas you know you talk about things like uh, propylene i mean we're at the bottom and and that's because polypropylene demand as you know javi said everything's available i mean you know there was a huge amount of polymer demand throughout covid that is now gone yep. and uh we've uh we've increased the amount of polypropylene and polyethylene production here in the united states tremendously and because of the spats we have worldwide tariffs etc we don't have that export market so much as well as others have also increased their polymer production so polymers are going to be weak but Going back to oil, um, it used to be that oil producers liked $60 a barrel, then they liked $70 a barrel. Now they like $90 a barrel. 
So, um, which is right about where it stayed here recently. If you look at it, yes, you know, you see some, uh, 85s or 83s in there, but then it goes back up to 93. Same as, uh, natural gas goes down to five and change right back up to six and change, even hitting seven and change here in the U S. Um, and then, you know, much higher, obviously in Europe. So, um, the, the energies are, are a major topic of discussion because now uh, Europe as a whole is not competitive on the world scale. They used to be an export market. Now they're an import market. And that's really a, a, a pretty poor balance for them right now because there's tremendous capacities and investments there. So um, I have a feeling that coming into next year that we're at such lows in Europe and Asia, they are going to start to pick up when it comes to demand and you're going to see with the cuts, uh, OPEC plus cuts, you're going to see uh, energy prices uh, start to increase, which was also what happened after the recession, which I think, by the way, we're also in a recession in the United States, in Europe, obviously in China. We are in a recession currently. So when you rebound from that, as you rebounded from COVID and everything went wild, I think this is my bold prediction that you're going to see energies go up. Maybe not natural gas as much because we've got a lot of it. Pasadena's about to reopen in Texas for export. Uh, they had a fire and they've been down for quite some time. When that opens, you're going to see a rebound in gas prices. But um, I think that, you know, you're looking at things that are bottomed. And so at the end of the year for negotiating contracts they are certainly in the favor of the buyer, but I think things are going to turn around pretty quickly in 2023. Yeah. It seems like not gas prices went super high because there was fears of running out essentially and then now we've heard right. there's ships sitting offshore waiting on low natural gas but prices are going back up again so it was an interesting supply demand pricing dynamic it seems yeah there's a yin and a yang but in in terms of energy prices there's a yin a yin a yin <laughs> and then a yang <laughs> and then a yin 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 yeah. so it's like uh you know uh, just having tracked this so closely for for the last 25 years of my career it's it's been it's been uh crazy to watch, but uh, I think that we're right now going to hopefully see uh, a resurgence in demand, uh, not probably till second half of the year in Europe, but I think China might really, I mean, people want stuff, people want to consume. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, coming into next year, uh, that'll begin again. Yeah. You guys agree? No, that was a good explanation. I was just going to say, Rob. Recap. Well, yeah. you, I mean, if you guys want to argue or, or give it uh, another, if, I, I don't mind because, I, I you know, I'd, I'd love to be wrong about some things. That's for sure. But um, but we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. AJ, there's some charts going on here. What's, what are, no, what just are... looking. It's kind of interesting. It's Maybe we can add this to the, yeah. to the screen. But, the you know, we're talking about the European natural gas price being low right now, quote unquote, <laughs> but it's it's 3x what it was historically, you know, pre 2021. So, yeah, like, what is this value right here? Like, this is, uh, you know, 50. six bucks euros per megawatt hour. Now it's, you know, yeah, I was talking to I was talking to one of the Europeans 11. and he told yeah, me that he's, he's energy bill. <laughs> so it's still went very from 300 to 1600 euro. Oh my oh, lanta! Oh, oh, oh. Who who is wow. this? Uh, a guy from Europe, <laughs> he said, "Like, listen, listen to this one, Javi." I'm like, "What happened?" It's like, my energy bill went from 300 to 1600 euro in one month. And that that was an actual, not estimated bill. No, correct? no, that was, that, was a, that was an actual bill. He's like, I was like, he's like, he's like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, now I'm I'm, I'm telling everybody to put sweaters now. <laughs> Bundle up. Yep. Bundle up. <laughs> 
sounds like my Amazon bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll definitely put this up because you're right. We talk about like relative, relatively low. Like, yeah, it's relatively low. It's still, would you say 10x, 6x what it historically still... had been? Yeah, like if you look at the mid 2021, it was, it was, you know, 34 euros per megawatt hour. Now it's, you know, now it's 114, which that? is quote unquote, you know, <laughs> a lot lower than it's been recently, but yeah. it's still historically very, very high. What I mean, that? going back to your urea, I mean, who's going to produce urea is derived from a syngas process, you know, so taking yeah. natural gas and turning it into urea is about as basic as it gets. And, and we're yeah. very dependent upon that. And of course they're going to keep the death flowing. I mean, yep. if you, it's funny, go back, uh, you know, this summer, we, we predicted a death shortage. Remember that? Well, there's not a death shortage because they want to keep scrubbing the knocks, you know, from diesel right. and trucks. But, you know, now there's a prilled urea shortage, you know, because it's all going to death. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the impacts come no matter what. I mean, it may not be exactly on death, it's on prilled, but, you know, it, it makes sense. Why do you want to prill it when you just keep it in solution yeah. and sell it and burn it, you know? So, in a lot of cases, those death and NOx abatement applications are government mandated. Like they can't not use those things, right? right? Like our trucks will shut down if we don't have death. <laughs> yeah, in it, you know? our, our <laughs> trucks give, you know, you've seen it, the warning. It says you're running out of death. You got 12 more miles or you're going to have to go down to uh, 1500 RPMs at most or whatever. So you have to have death. So uh, it's crazy. So that's, that's a inflationary in Europe. I mean, that is. Oh, 100%. Is, I mean, it's. That's that's damning for Europeans for for consumer demand, for you know for everything. If your bill was three hundred, now it's sixteen hundred. That's a lot of you know cash going out of your bank account oh. for something that you really like can't see. Right. You can right. feel it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel any better if it costs ten x. It still feels it like it's sixty eight degrees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Some high quality, some high quality, uh, high quality air coming out of those vents. I guess. Yeah, I mean, whew, must be. Um, all right, wrapping things up. Couple events coming up. It's so mid-November, so it seems like beginning of the year is always a busier time for trade shows. Starting to do a little bit of planning for the end of the year and beginning part of next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think everyone's kind of excited to look forward and look out to what we've got on the books because you know the holidays are always a busy time, right? As you come into the end of the year, but you know yep. it's looking out to what you know and when you're going to connect and see people again, especially after COVID. You know, like Javi said, um, everyone at Apple was so excited, um, and I know as Ray's you know mentioned uh, for the NACD update, you know everyone was so excited to be out, and I think that we're going to see that continue through all of next year. That's a big thing too. Is the the events are all great, but if nobody goes, it's not worthwhile. So it's good to hear yeah. that the Apple is well attended. Yeah, well attended. Bad organization, but well attended. Yeah, we're looking forward to the Compounders Conference in a couple weeks here, um, and then thinking about next year, the World of Concrete, the Chemicals America show, and new locations. So a couple exciting things coming up next year. We're excited to get back out, travel, and, and you know, hopefully these events remain well attended hopefully the you know some slowdown in business doesn't negatively impact people traveling i know we talked about that i think on a recent episode when stuff starts to pull back people stop traveling and going out to meet people but that's this that's is the more important. important time to do such things yeah well and if there's any events that anyone's going to be at and they want to set up a meeting just send us a note events at thechemco.com and we'll be happy to, to you know get it in the schedule so, very much so and our events are all listed on our website as well so check it out yes they are um, so we have this last slide here, Rob, you want to, you want to talk through this new sort of brand new campaign we've got or new, new tagline within TCC? Well, yeah, I mean, it was something that, that we discussed the other day we just, you know, obviously, uh, we got some great people within the organizations and, uh, 
and uh, we're you know starting a new campaign or naming the campaign of of getting information out about our people called Human Chemistry, and um, you know it's really what our business is all about. It's about creating relationships and uh, and improving uh, supply and supply chains uh, through these relationships. So Human Chemistry is probably one of the most important aspects of our business. So. Um, you know, and, uh, and we talk about it a lot. It's probably the things that keep, uh, smiles on our faces. So, uh, congratulations to Jess Still of Kettlebottom Creative, who just got married last week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, there's been, you know, a lot of ramp up to Thanksgiving. So everybody's excited for next week for Thanksgiving. So we get some time to spend with our friends and family. So I think that's really important. And, uh, and it's also really good to hear that, NACD, APLA was robust and people are there because we really need to make these connections again and, uh, and, and leave COVID in the, in the dust behind us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to using that tagline and putting it out there more because it's, it's obviously the backbone of who we are and what we do. Our, our people, it's obviously been a big thing on the customer service side. You call into the office, you get somebody on the phone, you know your customer service Always. reps, you know your salespeople. So the, the people is the biggest thing with, you know, it's, it's nice putting a tagline to it and talking about people getting married and puppies and weddings yeah. and all this kind of New stuff. Boats. New boats. New boats. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody, yeah. got, somebody got a new boat. I was sure saying, you, you walked right into that one. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Bought it just in time to put it away for the... Uh, yeah, shrink wrap it, it and yep. put it in the driveway and pay yep. for it for the winter. Sure, sure am. Sure am. Um, Things to look forward to are important. Yep. One more boat to contribute to the antifreeze demand. You know, That's put right. a little antifreeze yeah. through there, so... Expensive gas at the docks next summer. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it comes down. We didn't mention that diesel right now is over six bucks a gallon. Crazy. So I mean, fuel surcharges. I'm, I'm sure logistics company will talk about it, but even phew. even the delta just between like regular gas, like eighty seven and eighty nine. Like I feel like it used to be like ten cents, twenty cents. Now I it's like it was it's like it's like eighty cents. Yeah. Like Abby's Jeep is we put eighty nine or ninety one in it. It's like a you, seventy you cent do difference. That eighty seven every time. It's Crazy. a rip off. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm with 87 you, yeah. every time. <laughs> what is what is like if you go to a gas dock and you put gas instead of diesel in your boat? Is it 89 that they typically have? No, it's 87. It is 87. Yeah, it's 87. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just a dollar. Just a dollar. They're more. not gonna they're not gonna pay more for yeah. for something that really shows no benefit. It's you yeah. know so. Yeah. I didn't say that Exxon. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, guys. Well, we will catch you on the next episode for our. Uh, I guess our first ever our holiday holiday Christmas yes. episode. Oh, so exciting! I mean, getting, I can't believe it's here, we're but get festive. we are, and you're just gonna have to tune in to see what we come up with because ne a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole's the new head of our festive committee, making sure things are cheery and festive the, the and de decorated. I was and... gonna say the holiday cheer master. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm officially putting you in charge of of this new committee. I love it. I love it. So you guys will just have to stay tuned and see what we what we you know have in store. I'm excited. Oh, sounds sounds good. I love it. Thank All right, you. guys. Well, thank you as always. Good talking to you guys. Javi, good to see you uh, nice and tan. Thank you. Good to see you in person <laughs> again. I'm always uh, tan. <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, as always, thank you for listening. You know, whether you're on the audio or the video format, we certainly appreciate you following along, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Thanks thank Benny, you, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for streaming the View from Jamestown podcast edition. Like and subscribe for more.